Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Today, I have Pam Allen on the show, and I am so excited for this one. She is soon to be the CEO for MD Management, and I was excited to get an opportunity to speak with you because I'm also getting an opportunity to work with your team at the All Advisor Conference, and we're really talking about what makes amazing leadership, not just meet the bar leadership. So thank you, Pam. Please feel free to introduce yourself. Thanks, Christine. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, looking forward to our conference where you'll be working with our leaders across the country. MD Management is an amazing firm that I'll be leading. We work with Canadian physicians and their families, which is such an important job. And I don't take that lightly. And that is what kind of drives me in this role is the responsibility that we have at MD Management. I've been with the firm for 16 years. I started in Edmonton. I worked in Vancouver and BC. And I've recently moved to Ottawa to take over the firm. So I'm super excited about it and a little nervous, but that's okay. Nerves kind of mean that I still care about what I do. Oh, that means that you're going to perform at your best. So I'm just going to dive right in. Uh, When I invited you to talk about some of your best bosses, I'd love to hear who came to mind. Well, I had a number of great leaders throughout my career that I kind of took little bits of things from. But the one story that really stood out for me for someone that I worked with for a number of years, probably 15, 20 years ago, was someone who I actually didn't work for him initially. I worked in another role and I saw what he was doing, the team he was building up. And I thought, you know, he needs a certain role on his team. So I took a risk. And I met him one day and I said to him, you know, I know you're building your team up and I think you need this role. Here's why you need this role. And I would love to take on that role. And initially he said, oh, okay. Um, thanks for letting me know. And I thought, okay, well, that he didn't accept it right away. And I'm good with that. Um, but a few months later, he came to me and said, Pam, you're right. We need this role and I'd love you to take it on. So what that meant for me was he was willing to take the risk on me. He saw something in me. He was curious about what I was going to bring to the role. And again, it it didn't happen right away, but he took a risk. I took a risk. And again, it didn't come to fruition immediately. And that's okay. And working with him, he allowed me to play big. And he allowed me the space to build the role and build my team. And uh, I was telling somebody this other story a few days ago about how I went to him and said, (laughs) someone on the team wants to buy pens. They want to buy a hundred pens. And I just want to know if it's okay if we go ahead and buy these pens. And he became curious and he said to me, okay, if you do this for this person, you're going to have to do it for this person and this person. And soon it kind of adds up. 
I'm like, okay, I've never thought of it that way. So just think about when you make these decisions, the ripple effect that it can have and think of all the different angles. Again, this is just a story about pens. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but as it kind of grew, I realized, okay, I need to think about this. And at the end, he said, you know, it's your decision, but really think it through. Again, he allowed me, he was curious. He allowed me to play in this space. He allowed me to play big. And I have a story about playing big, but I'll maybe tell that a little bit later. So I, I think this is really neat though, because there's two sides. Like obviously you felt safe enough to approach him with a completely out of the box idea. Even if his decision-making wasn't gonna allow you right out of the gate to go forward with it, which I kind of also think is a sign of a good leader. He took time to reflect on that. It didn't go away just because he didn't answer it in that moment. So I think there's something special about hearing that story. And also kudos to you because I I work with a lot of people who feel very impatient. And so when the leader doesn't just say yes, they're immediately like disappointed. And so what I hear is kind of this, you trusted him enough to give him some time. Yeah. And I I believed that I took a risk. I thought the worst that could happen is he says, no, we don't need it. It was okay. Like I thought I put it out there. It'll come back when it's ready to come back. and, And I'm okay with that. But I learned a lot from him and he really, again, gave me that space. He showed a lot of curiosity, which I think is very important in a leader. He was open to my ideas and it just it gave me that confidence to play big, build my team. So when I talk about playing big, what that means is working with a great leader will give you confidence. My son's a hockey player. He was a hockey player. He's older now. He doesn't play anymore. But when he was playing hockey, he was a goalie. And we had a sports psychologist come and talk to his team and he was fascinating And he talked specifically about when you're a goaltender or a hockey player, when you have that confidence, you play big, you take up space. So you're more engaged in the game. You see the game clearer. And when you play big, you take risks. And again, it's that confidence and taking up the space and allows you for engagement and seeing things clearer. I was so intrigued by this sports psychologist. I said to him, will you talk to my leaders? Because a lot of what you're saying translates so well into leadership. And he did. And it was just fascinating how it translated back and forth between, I mean, that's not new sports psychology and leadership, but I truly have kind of taken everything I've learned from him as a psychologist into my leadership to allow others around me to, again, take risks, play big, be confident, be engaged, and see things clearer. And I'm just curious, I'm going to probe into something you said, talking about taking up space. Do you feel, I mean, obviously you're stepping into a CEO role. I support lots of female leaders, and I'm just curious, like, do you feel like taking up space was instinctive to you, or did you need to learn how to do that? Oh, I needed to learn how to do that. Absolutely. In so many ways, if you go back to me as a child, I was very shy growing up. I was uh, very quiet. I didn't talk a lot. And just even little things to help me get into that mindset of playing big, taking up space. (laughs) Even uh, I was uh, at a lunch the other day and it was a long table. It was like a boardroom table. And you know, sometimes you just go and sit at the corner of the table, you kind of sit back. I thought, 
No, I'm going to sit in the middle of the table and take up some space. So it's not only mentally, it's physically. It's like when you're a leader, you, you need to command that and don't be, don't shrink. Take up physical space as well as mental space. So taking up space is also about giving your team that opportunity to kind of think. I really believe leaders need to be curious. Asking questions is one of the most important things you can do. And sometimes it's not even asking questions. It's just allowing them to talk it through. So what comes to mind for me is um, I had a leader that worked for me. And when he was going through something, he would come into my office and he'd say, Pam, I know you don't like me to bring you problems, only solutions, but here's something I'm dealing with. And I just sat there and let him talk it through. I'd ask a question every once in a while, but I just sat there. And at the end of it, he's like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. And then he walked away and I, and someone said to me, when I told them this story, they said, they probably thought, wow, Pam really helped me through it. When in fact, I didn't say a lot. I allowed him to kind of talk it through and work it through on his own. And I felt like he owned the decision. I'm not the subject matter expert. He owned the decision. He implemented it. And that just gave him that learning, right? And, you know, we don't use soft, fuzzy words about like caring and loving. But what I always think is curiosity is the socially acceptable word that we can use. Because when somebody gives you space and actually you put your full attention on them, that's what it feels like. Right. Feel like someone cares and really cares about you, you know? Yeah. That you matter. I always want people that work for me to feel that they matter, that they're contributing. Because when you feel that, again, it's, you know, they bring their whole person to work. So they feel better as an individual. It's not just the job they do, they are a person. So if you treat your people like, a whole person they have everyone has something going on in their life good and bad and just remember that at all times and then I'm just curious you know I'm going to go back to that great boss that you worked for who was curious and helped you play big and instilled that confidence in you how does working for someone like that impact your performance it helps you be a top performer and again, it's giving you that you may take some risks, and that's okay. When you have confidence and you feel good about what you're doing, you kind of lift up. And again, it's that taking up space, playing big. I knew he would always have my back as well. I knew that I could come to him when I needed to, I could make the decisions. And if I made a bad decision, we would talk about it. And I would learn from it. It wasn't about being reprimanded. It was about learning. So going through why I did it, what was the outcome? What did I learn from it? How will I apply that next time? At the end of the day, we're in financial services. Bad decision can easily be rectified. So it's a matter of learning and support and knowing that I'm not going to feel like, oh, like he wouldn't come bring me down for something like that. He would help lift me up and learn from that. And then the question that comes up, I mean, this is in, in my world, is when you work for a best boss, or let's say you have an organization filled with best bosses, mm-hmm. everyone always asks, what's the ROI or what's the impact to the bottom line? And I know that's a hard question to answer. But when I ask you that as a leader and you're looking at the financials of your business, what comes to mind? It is about people like looking 
having a clear vision of the organization and caring about the org. When you care about the organization, we talk often at MD about being purpose-driven and bringing value to the client. The bottom line is can be short-term. As leaders, we need to look further out and look longer-term. And when you have great leaders, that's what they will do. They will be constantly looking up, looking at the longer term, ensuring that we have a long-standing, viable organization and not short-sighted, right? When you're looking, anything you do, when you look right in front of you, driving. So I just learned to drive a motorcycle. (laughs) And when I took the course, it was like, they kept saying, look up, look up. So it's always about looking up and looking out. And great leaders do that. And that's, you know, what comes down to the ROI. It's not, again, that short term. One of the leaders at MD management would always say, as a leader, it's like a sailboat. You're looking out onto the horizon. You're looking longer term to get to the destination you want to get to. So great leaders are always, again, looking up, looking out, and that will get you to where you want to be. And that's what's so interesting is that impact to the bottom line. It's like, how do you bring everybody with you for that journey? Do people feel engaged in being on that journey with you? I mean, we've seen the great resignation, big talk about how much turnover is happening right now. I find that when I hear about those best bosses, if people are leaving, they're not leaving. They're not leaving their boss. They're leaving for some real growth opportunity. They're not leaving for just more money. What I'm also seeing is people come back to the table and negotiate for what they want versus leaving those great leaders because they don't want to walk away. My first story, I asked for what I wanted. And I I believe in that as well as I want it to be with the organization. And here's where I saw where I could grow and develop. And I've done that a number of times over my career is, and I, when someone comes to me and says, here's what I want, I really admire and respect that and say, okay, this is what you want. Let's talk about how we can get you there. It may not be tomorrow, but let's talk about the journey that we need to, to get you on, to get you to where you want to be. And as leaders, we have a responsibility to bring others up. It's not about, you know, when I got into leadership, I knew it wasn't just about me anymore and getting to my, it was about bringing up others along the way. And especially as a female leader, I had a client at MD say to me one time, does your advisor force reflect your client base? Because that's what we want. We want you to reflect your clients. So again, it's about bringing everybody up, not just people who are like you. So as a female, I want to bring up other female leaders. I also want to bring up other leaders of different, you know, mindsets, different ethnicities. I want to bring everybody up. So we have that diversity of thought, of appearance, of you know, every representing every aspect of the human life so that that helps with diversity, with bringing new ideas to the table, understanding our clients. It's just, again, the ROI on that just is amazing on what we can do. And it's got to be, again, it's great when you're serving an audience of people who are from all over the world, right? You need to think, how do you get in the customer's shoes if you don't understand those different Right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, 
Have you had a worse boss? What did you learn or observe maybe from some of the experiences you've had from a not great leader? Haven't had many. I've only, I've had more great bosses than not great bosses, but one that comes to mind was again, early in my career, very early in my career was someone who kind of tried to hold on to the information and the power. And, you know, when you think of the theory of abundance and the theory of scarcity, he operated from theory of scarcity where he felt there wasn't a lot of power. So I need to hold on to it. And I learned a lot that there's enough to go around for everybody. The theory of abundance is there's enough power influence whether to go around. That was a, a big learning for me. There was two of them that came to mind and they both had that trait was that theory of scarcity and didn't believe around multiplying the people around them. There's a book called The Multiplier. And we've talked about it in leadership meetings at MD, at uh, Scotia as well, about multiplying people around you and not diminishing them. And that was my biggest learning is, I also have a story about Donald Trump, which I share often. (laughs) It's I'm all ears. (laughs) Okay. So about 15 years ago, I went to a conference and they had uh, speakers from around the world on this big screen. He wasn't there in person. And Donald Trump was one of them long before he got into politics. And so you think, okay, you know, he had a bit better of a reputation at that time. So he talked about surrounding yourselves with A players, you know, as a leader, that's the one thing you should do. And I thought, yes, that's what I, I want to surround myself with A players. I want to surround myself with people and leaders that one day I would love to work for. That was the only thing I've ever learned from Donald Trump. I don't know if he still subscribes to that theory. I question that. But at one time he did, and I did learn something from him at that time. We'll let everyone go and look at the A players he surrounded. Yes, exactly. Does he still still subscribe yes. to leadership principle? But it it's a true one, right? That mm-hmm. idea of surrounding yourself with A players. And I really liked that point you made about scarcity versus abundance. Yeah. An aha moment just kind of flashed when I think of 50 different interviews about his best bosses it really does seem that that could be a core principle of those best bosses because there was no fear. There was just no fear. There was no fear in the interaction they were having with that employee that they were trying to build up or they were trying to strengthen. It was really coming from a place of genuine desire to help. That is a great point that brings to mind. I love Brene Brown. I have a couple Mm -hmm. of her books on my bookshelf. I actually shared Dare to Lead with my team a few years back and we read, we did kind of like a book club and we read it. One of the things that I love that she talks about that I take with me everywhere is honesty is kindness. So when you're honest with your team and that goes around feedback, you don't want to wait you know, for months to give someone feedback, immediate feedback, leaning into those difficult conversations, difficult conversations are easy to just say, Oh, I don't want to do this. And, you know, I've had those conversations with my team members and it can help build your relationships with your leaders and it helps them grow. And I remember getting feedback one time from one of my bosses and she talked about, something that happened months earlier and she's giving me this feedback and I'm still in my, as she's giving me the feedback, I'm in my head going, what happened? When was that? What? 
Right. You know, and I'm trying to dig into what was I going through at that point that she's giving me this feedback. So that was a great learning for me in that, okay, give feedback immediately, lean into those difficult conversations. Sometimes you have to wait, you know, a day or two, which is fine. Or, you know, I gave someone feedback last week and I waited till after the call we were on, called the person up after and said, you know, here's how I saw you showing up let's talk about that. And at the end of the conversation, he was like, you know, I really appreciate the feedback. You know, here's what I'm going to do different next time. So again, it's being honest and leaning into those tough conversations, builds your relationships and helps grow those people. And that's the best thing you can do. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because another principle that I've kind of picked up over all of this series of interviews is that candid, honest feedback, you have to believe that the leader wants the best for you. Right. That's the prerequisite to making candid feedback work. Well, you're doing it because you care, right? If I didn't care about the person, I wouldn't give them the feedback. I would let them kind of go along their way, but saying, you know, this is how you showed up good or bad is just the kindest thing you can do for an individual. Absolutely. And that comes up over and over in those best bosses that they really do feel that kindness from that difficult piece of feedback that they got. As we're getting ready, obviously, to work with a large group of leaders from your organization, and I always say, you know, for all the leaders that are listening right now, trying to figure out how to up their game, what advice would you give people you know, if they want to aspire to be a best boss. I always say, be yourself. You do you better than anyone does you. Like I, you learn things from all your bosses as you go forward and you develop your leadership style. But that's the advice I've given to a lot of leaders along my journey is be yourself. Don't try and be me. Don't try and be Barack Obama to try and be someone else because that's where the genuineness of leadership comes in is when you're, you're true to yourself. And again, setting expectations with your individuals to say, here's how we, how do you like to work with me? What do you like to see? Like getting feedback, being curious, asking those questions of your teams, you're not the subject matter expert. And the way they do something may not be the way you do something. So a story around that is I had one of my leaders come to me recently and he said, I want to move this person into this role. And my first reaction was like, no, oh, that's going to be a huge mistake. You know, and I'm thinking that in my mind, I didn't say it. I'm like, okay, tell me about, you know, what you've gone through. We've had some issues with this person in the past. And He went through, you know, here's the feedback we've given him. Here's what we're going to do, like to develop him going forward. Here's why I want to put him into this role. And I thought, wow, like he's really done his work. He's thought this through and he truly believes in this decision. So I said, okay, you know, not what I would have done, but I think you're making a great decision and I, I support you on this decision. So I think he was a little taken aback. He's like, okay. And I said, no, you've done everything that I think you needed to do. In the end, it is your decision, but I will support you on this decision. Absolutely. So again, it's asking those questions, being curious about who they are. Someone gave me some advice is when you're kind of working a room at a social function is 
always ask more questions than you answer. And people will think you're the most interesting person in the room if you ask more questions. So as a leader, do that as well. Ask lots of questions. Be curious. It's the best advice I think I could give. I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, it's amazing when you follow around great leaders or you spend time with them, you'll notice that curiosity there immediately. I can think of so many different times where I've met people who are not curious versus very curious. And it is, it's a completely different experience. But I'm curious, do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome? Uh, Yes, quite often. So my son has uh, graduated from university and he got a job with the government. And I asked him, you know, how's it going? You know, he was very nervous about going into the job and he said, I'm learning a lot. There's a lot to learn. And he brought up imposter syndrome. He goes, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. So he asked me, he goes, I don't know if you feel like that, but I certainly feel like that. I'm like, every day I feel like I have, but you, but I kind of, okay, I feel it. I check it. And I know that, no, Pam, you're here for a reason. You, you've got the experience. So some of that self-talk, but the fact that he's used, he like, he said, mom, you're going to be the CEO of a company. You have an imposter syndrome. I'm like, Absolutely. But I, I, ch- again, I check it. I, okay. Talk to myself about why are you feeling this way? What do you know is true? And what are you making up? Like, what are the facts? So I've had leaders come to me with stories that they're telling and I was, okay, what do you know for sure? What are the facts? So that's what I go through when I feel like I have imposter syndrome, but, uh, oh, absolutely. And I think it's okay because I mark it and I check it. I know it, I, I label it and I work through it. So I think everybody does. I would be shocked if great leaders didn't at some point in their career have some sort of imposter syndrome. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a coach that's coached me for years and he is brilliant. And his recommendation is not so much to try to combat imposter syndrome. It's to get good at it. <laughs> to get good oh, at I like that. It. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like just like you said, it's like finding your process to work through it. Right. So that you can move through it quickly. Right. Don't let it paralyze you. Right. Right. Like, could it be your intuition trying to tell you to stop and think? Or, I, oh, yeah. No. Listen it, to your gut is a great piece of advice. I've listened to my gut over the years. There's something there in your intuition and to your point, have that process to work through. After I graduated university, I started at a, at a credit union, actually, and I was trying to work my way up through different roles, different sales roles, and I didn't get a role. And I thought, oh, I wonder why I didn't get it. So I went to the people hiring. It was HR. And I said, can you tell me why I didn't get the role? And this is so sad, but I was actually told, well, we gave it to this gentleman because he has a family to support and we thought it was more important to give him the role. And I was, wow. Okay. So they used to have these breakfasts with the CEO and, um, they would bring a group, a small group of employees to ask the CEO questions. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do it. So I asked him because there they didn't have a lot of female leaders, very few, in fact. And I asked him, I said, why don't women get promoted in this organization? I didn't share my story, but I just said, you know, from what I see, we're not seeing a lot of women being promoted. And it kind of took him aback. And he said, uh, 
I'm not really sure, you know, what it is that keeps women back. And he said, you know, I'll have to look into that and reflect on it. They would actually take notes during these meetings and publish them. So people came up to me and they're like, Pam, I can't believe you asked him that. And I'm like, well, it's true. (laughs) And they actually ended up developed a new role and they brought on a woman and the CEO actually came back to me and said, you know, you said this at the breakfast meeting and we started to reflect on it. So we brought this woman in, but it's, I feel it's really changed over the years that I've been in, especially financial services is seeing more women, the value of women and just overall diversity, not just women. Now it's all kinds of cultures, ethnicities, LGBTQ plus bringing all of that together to bring different perspectives to the table will really bring value to an organization. But again, when I started, it was predominantly not seeing women promoted. Now we're seeing the evolution, which is amazing to see. And I continue to support it and see how we can bring more diversity into every organization. It's making me smile because it, that story aligns with that ask for what you want theme that's popping up. Why are there not more women promoted? Any additional stories or fun things that you want to share as you think about this topic around leadership and some of the ways that it shows up? You know, leadership is everywhere. No matter what level you're at, how big, small your team is, leadership is everywhere. Everyone can be a leader. You can be a leader with colleagues, peers, lead your team, be a leader everywhere you can be. I believe in managing up and sometimes that doesn't have the greatest connotation, but sometimes you can lead your leaders and help them be better leaders. And I appreciate that from my team as well. You know, I had a situation with one of my leaders who I sat down with them and said, here's what I see is going on. Here's what we need from you. Here's where you can be a better leader. And he was so appreciative of the feedback that I felt it was almost my responsibility to kind of give him that feedback as well to help him be a better leader. So again, leadership is not just down, it's up around, you know, to the left, to the right, wherever it is, always be a leader wherever you are in life. Amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for this. I love talking about this. This is a great topic. And if it helps support other people in their journey, that's the best thing we can do. And giving back is is something that I'm very passionate about as well. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.